0: but I lament the rush and the pace of this time of year. It's that time right in between Halloween and that world-famous holiday, Christmas, and we forget about something called Thanksgiving. I can prove it. How many of you have already started listening to Christmas songs? Shame on you, and shame on you. Yeah, I went into Dollar Store yesterday And they had a whole aisle dedicated to Christmas. They not only had it dedicated to the holiday cards, they had it dedicated to the candy. They had Christmas-sprinkled sour patches, and they had the little snowflake on them. And I thought, boy, I bet that doesn't taste like cinnamon, kid. They had it all laid out. You know, it can be very easy to forget what we have to be thankful for. All that we have going on in the midst of the rush, hustle and bustle of the year. But I'm convinced that when we truly understand thanksgiving, true thanksgiving, true gratitude, it can only be found in the gospel. That is, in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That gospel that not only changes my eternal state, but it also changes my earthly nature. It gives me a desire to obey God. It gives me a desire to... Want to seek the will of God and to know the things of Christ Paul says that I might know him The power of his resurrection the fellowship of his sufferings being made Conformable unto his death. That's what we're after And it's in that spirit of Thanksgiving that Paul writes to the church at Philippi beginning in chapter 1 and verse 3 I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Some of the most important words you will ever learn are please and thank you. Because the great sin of this age and every age is ingratitude. We forget that our God manifests Himself not in that which is finite, but in that which is infinite. Not in that which is material, but that which is immaterial, that which is incorruptible, that which is undefiled. And the greatest gift that God has given you doesn't sit in your bank account. The greatest gift that God will ever give you is the gift of Himself. And so Paul can write in the midst of bad circumstances and bad situations, whatever his current status, he always begins his letters with gratitude. He says, in every circumstance, I know how to be exalted, and I know how to be abased. I've learned to be content with such things as I have. You know, when you live as if God owes you something You will always find a reason to be ungrateful. And at the root of your ingratitude, whether it's conscious or subconscious, there is always a part of you that is blaming God. It's the same for Adam and Eve in the garden. Has God not provided for you? You really want to tell me that God does not care for you, his child? See, when we truly understand what God has done on our behalf, it changes our perspective, it changes our attitude. And so Paul can write to the church at Corinth, the church that gave him more headaches than he ever could have imagined, the church that tried to usurp his authority and turn the Bible upside down and separate the rich and the poor and do all of these divisive things. He can say to the church at Corinth after spending half of the epistle rebuking them, I thank God for you. Can you say that? I thank God for those who disagree with me. That's what Paul has to do. Abraham Lincoln said in his second inaugural, with malice toward none and with charity toward all, we would do well to remember that. Whoever won and whoever lost the presidential election, you need to treat those who oppose you with grace. All of us. Jesus puts it more bluntly. He says, love your enemies, bless them who persecute you, pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. See, the real measure of gratitude is not in your situation or your circumstances, but in how you respond to your situation or your circumstances. That's the true measure of whether or not you are truly grateful. Grateful. Because listen, if you're not thankful when you have a little, you're not going to be thankful when you have a lot. If you don't give when you have a little, you're definitely not going to give when you have a lot. And if you can't be thankful right now, you won't find a way to be thankful one day, whatever you end up with. So Paul tells us that he has reason to be thankful for this church. And it's not in our circumstances, it's not in our situations for which we should be thankful, but our God. Sometimes our prayers are like Hannah's prayer of gratitude in 1 Samuel 2. I read this just yesterday in devotions. She had prayed for a boy, and she said, Lord, if you'll give him to me, I'll dedicate to you, God. Answered that prayer, and here's what she says as a result of that. My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for none is beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him... Actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts... He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap. He makes them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. God answered her cry. Gratitude isn't a denial And we live in a fallen world. We know that's true because as we look around us, we realize that all is not well. Some of us have scars that will only be healed by eternity. Bomb of Gilead that the scripture reminds us of. I have had to do more funerals for more people I was close to this year than I think in many of the years combined. Loved ones who we lose all too soon. We wish we could have gotten to know who can weigh these things? Sometimes our victories are pitted against someone else's defeats. Think about this. Every time your favorite team wins, somebody else's favorite team loses. But the question is, if all were lost, is God still enough? See, sometimes our prayers are like Hannah, and sometimes our prayers are like Job, where he says, I've lost it all. The Lord gives the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, Paul says, the reason that I'm able to thank God for you is because I can see the finish line. And you only be truly thankful when you realize what God is doing and what he has done. That's why Paul writes later on, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's the reason they bridle the horses, so that they'll look ahead. It's because of this reality, he tells them, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Look this way. Those of you who are struggling, those of you who are downcast, listen to me. God is going to sustain you. He is going to see you through. He is. Like what Calvin said in his commentary in Philippians, God does not forsake the work which His own hands have begun. As the prophet bears witness, we are the work of His hands. Therefore, He will complete what He has begun in us. Hey, if it depended on you... (laughs) you wouldn't like the end result. We give because He gave. We serve because He served. We love because He loved us. And the same God who has overcome evil in you has also overcome the world. And He hasn't done it by evil means. He's done it by overcoming evil with good. And so He says rejoice. He says take courage. Be of good cheer. And Paul says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. it's why I write. You know, that's really what the gospel is, isn't it? It's a partnership. It's a contract. Between me and you. Between young and old. Between rich and poor. Between all those who claim the name of Jesus Christ. All of us partnering together to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's why the church exists. The gospel that doesn't just change my eternal state, but changes my earthly nature. I'm not who I was. And by God's grace, I will not be. I'm not yet who I will be. Daily renews my mind, lets my heart take courage. It moment by moment reminds me that what I do is not nearly as important as what God has done on my behalf. And so he says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, 4 years ago Friday I had the privilege of spending my first Sunday as pastor of this church and I've just realized in the time here over and over again that God has given our church a heart for giving hadn't started with any of us it goes back long before that when a group of pioneer settlers came out to a frontier town and before the town was established In 1837, the year prior, they decided to charter a church. Wasn't a whole lot of people, wasn't a whole lot of money. But it's led to 180 years of the gospel being preached. And there have been times when we've given when we've had plenty. There have been times when we've given when we haven't had anything at all. The turn of the last century, the 20th, we almost had to close the doors because there was a group of people who refused to compromise the word of God. And most of the people left But the people who were here, they stayed. And God honored them for it. That's why we're here today. And sometimes we can measure that giving, we try to keep track of it, but most of the time, giving can only be weighed by the scales of eternity. We've given 204 shoeboxes this year to children around the world who are in need. That's the most we've ever collected. And who but knows of boys and girls who will become men and women who will be impacted by the gospel of Christ. One of the neatest things to me is that three of the little girls who once received those shoeboxes overseas now sit in our church nearly every Sunday. Isn't that something? We've given thousands to adoptions and to mission causes. We've written checks to cover transportation and facility costs. And when we needed a demonstration of how we were going to get into this building, when the costs ran high, God blessed this little church with $89,000 in a single day. It's the largest offering in our church's history. I've started thinking of us as the little church that could, thanks to a big God. This past Tuesday, we were at the annual meeting of the Kentucky Baptist Convention, and every year, cooperative program recipients are are recognized. You know about the cooperative program that we contribute to. It goes to national, international missionaries, disaster relief, education of our seminaries around the world, and we give 10% of all of our offerings to the cooperative program. Ends up being about $40,000 a year the past few years. $40,000 a year... Is almost enough to make a building payment but we've decided that giving to missions comes before giving to ourselves that's not easy but it's worth it they recognize churches for certain amounts that they've given whether it's at a million or or a two million dollar level whatever it is several churches were recognized this year I was curious what we had given. So we called the the state convention office. You know that since 1928, beginning with $179, Hallsville Baptist Church, get this, has given $1,449,648.23 to missions through cooperative program giving. That's phenomenal small band of believers, small town, small means, yet we believe in the provision of a faithful God. And so we take our five loaves and our two fishes knowing that Jesus will use it to feed the multitudes. We don't do it just in the way that we give financially, although that's a big part of it. We do it in our worship too. The Bible says that worship to the Lord, you showing up here and worshiping in spirit and in truth That's an acceptable and pleasing offering to the Lord. So when you live for Him, that's giving. We give and investing in others through relationships and discipleship because we want other people to tell the stories of the God who has worked in us. Ordinary people in extraordinary ways. And then we give to others through ministry because we want to show God's love to this community so that we can share it with others. So we serve His church. We serve those He came to save. Hadn't been easy. We've had to sacrifice some things in order for it to happen. Building this facility, worshiping in here was one of those. Launching crossroads and moving some things around, that was another one. And I know many of you have given up time-honored traditions that we might be able to reach more people. And I don't take that for granted. This has been such a difficult year in so many ways. We've lost some of our most faithful members who were living in the prime of life. Some of you have kids who are rebelling. You've got marriages that are struggling. Some of you won't let go of the sin that's so easily besetting you, and I plead with you for Christ's sake. Repent. I tell you, most days I, I feel so overwhelmed and inadequate, not up to the task of serving as one of Christ's under-shepherds, but then I, I look around. And I see the way that God is working and the Holy Spirit is moving in your lives. and I'm humbled by that. I just have to tell you, I I love this church. I love what it stands for. We get distracted sometimes. Satan tries to get us sidetracked on things that don't matter. I say we, you get distracted. I get distracted. We get distracted. But in my heart of hearts, I know that God is at work here and that he's moving in a thousand different ways. Someone has said that you're never more like jesus than when you give and if that's true i just want to thank you for being like jesus and i thank my god upon every remembrance of you jesus tells the story in the gospel of the ten lepers who came to him for healing leprosy was the malady of the day you'd just as soon be dead as to be declared a leper because you were isolated and ostracized from your community and from your family, and whenever you did come in contact with other people who didn't have the disease, you had to yell out, unclean, at the top of your voice. They asked for Jesus' healing, He gave it. The Bible tells us, though, that of those ten who were healed, nine of them went the other way. There was only one who came back. Jesus recognized the one. Eddie Rickenbacker knew what that was like. He was a world-famous pilot. During the wars, President Roosevelt had asked him to go on a special mission to see General MacArthur and convey a personal message to him. Rickenbacker had done that, and on the way back, his plane went down. He was stuck in the Pacific, and as he was there waiting to die with his crewmates out in a part where no one was, they said they prayed and they prayed. They had no food. They had no water. And In the middle of when they thought they were absolutely going to lose it, a pelican landed on top of one of their heads. And they said they all kind of froze there because they didn't want to scare the thing off because that was dinner. And they grabbed the thing and survived and lived to tell that story. And so Eddie Rickenbacker, almost every day for the rest of his life, when he went back to Key Biscayne, Florida, off the dock there, would go and throw some shrimp to the seagulls. He would do that regularly. Thousands of them would come. And we'd throw it to them one by one. They asked him one day, why do you do something like that? Because he said, because when something or someone gives your life for you, you say thank you. So we gather here today saying thank you to Jesus for the life that has been given to us. And if we can spend the rest of our lives thanking him in return, it will not compare to what he did, but oh, the joy that we will have when we see him with our eyes. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.